Will you stand for the reading of God's word this morning? So today's scripture comes out of the book of Mark, chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat out in the middle of the lake, while all the people were along the shore at water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching he said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, some multiplying thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows not seed, but he sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes, and he takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like the seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and, and at once receive it with joy. But since they, do not have, they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like the seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like the seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for being here this morning. And those of you joining us online, thank you for tuning in. And would you thank with me, Lori and the worship team, and Brian and Brad, and Ginger, and Ginger. And then also a special thank you these last couple weeks, David Perez preached. And incredible job, David. Thank you. Uh, in youth group years ago, whenever we clapped for somebody, we would all say, just stole your treasure in heaven. So just, David, just stole your treasure in heaven. Okay, all right. 
Um, well, it's good to be back, and obviously we're heading into Easter. We're actually going to, we've been going through Mark, if this is your first time here this morning. Uh, my name's Nathan, if we haven't gotten to meet, and I'll, I'll look forward to meeting you. But we've been going through, as a church, the book of Mark, every single verse of it. And uh, to, this morning we arrive in chapter 4, but after this morning, just so you're aware, we are going to take a couple weeks break. We've got Palm Sunday next Sunday, and then Easter Sunday, obviously, and we'll be back in Mark at the end of April. If you're not on our email list, and we'll put a link up for that at the end of the sermon, you can hop on there for this midweek email, and like I've said before, we will spam the daylights out of you. So just welcome, welcome to West Bulls. Anyhow, no, you'll just get that one each week. Well, I want to put a couple pictures up for you, and um, here is the first one. All right, so... Um, I know exactly what every single one of you is thinking right now. Kara is so lucky, right? Okay. Um, that was actually taken at, are you familiar with Muir Woods out in California? Right outside San Francisco. Yeah, it's, it's incredible to go to. And let me put the next, we got to get that picture down. There's, there it is. So we uh, went with the youth group there years ago. And this place, if you've never been there, is just absolutely breathtaking. I mean, you've got, you've got Muir Woods that you walk into, and they've got these trails, but you are just surrounded by trees that you just don't get in Colorado at all. And many of these trees grow to be, I think the tallest one I read is nearly 260 feet tall. And so it, it's just something to behold. And, and obviously, it is just all shade all day because of these massive trees and their branches and all that stuff. And so you can imagine it draws crowds. Just all kinds of crowds, and it's constant. I mean, it's hard to get in there, it's hard to schedule, it's hard to maneuver, it's, it's hard to do much of anything in there, but because there are just crowds all over the place. And as I, look, as I thought of this picture, and as I thought about Mark, I went, oh my goodness, there it is. There's this theme that Mark has established, in it was a few themes actually, but one of those is this crowd. A crowd just shows up and shows up and shows up, and everywhere Jesus goes, there's just a crowd following him constantly. Now, when we get to Mark chapter 4, it's interesting because we start with a crowd, but where Jesus goes is exactly where these trees started. You know, they didn't, nobody brought in a tree and just planted it in the ground. How did it start? A seed. It started with a seed, and that isn't all that exciting, is it? I mean, if you've ever tried to plant anything, you feel like a failure for pretty much the first month or so because it's like, is anything, is anything going on? And Jesus, as he walks us and as he walked them through this parable that he began to share, and even the dynamics of parables, you begin to see that it's really about a seed. And, and there are elements to a seed that you just can't see, and you just can't get your hands into. And in fact, if you do, you're going to just mess everything up. Any of us would. So let, let's dive back into Mark chapter 4, the, the passage that Brad just read, and listen as we walk through it. Verse 1, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake. Now, water is a natural amplifier, so he would have been in a boat, and it actually would have helped carry his voice because, of course, God created it, so God knows this stuff. And so he gets in a boat, and he's using this natural amplifier to teach to this large crowd. And it says, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge, he taught them many things by parables, 
and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, I want you to catch what you're doing right now. And this is not just a, I'm not judging you specifically. I'm saying this is a human nature thing. When somebody tells us a story, there is something in our brains that is just wired for it. And of course, God, who knew that water would naturally amplify his message to the crowd, also knew this about us. So he tells this parable. But there's this thing that we do, our our human minds do. And there's actually a phrase for it called apophenia. Apophenia is is this thing that happens when we ascribe meaning to, to random information. And yes, of course, this has meaning to it, but we start with who? Ourselves. Just like Brian said with communion, we often think of ourselves first, don't we? And so if you were to read this and not get any further explanation, you know what you do? You go, okay, well, this symbolizes that, and, and that's a symbol for this. And, and, and we start like putting it together in a way that makes sense for us. And, and this is what he's beginning to get at with the disciples. He's saying, look, I need to be able to talk to you, but the crowd just keeps coming. So I'm going to talk to everybody, but I'm actually talking to you. And so it's almost like you're going to get a meaning in this that some people might miss. And we'll get into that here in a little bit. But that's what we love to do. We love to put meaning to things. And as Jesus told these stories, there were different sections of the crowd. And some interpreted it differently. But to his disciples, as we'll see here in a minute, he says, no, but I've told you something. And for us who are part of the body of Christ, that's his message to us. He says, I'm telling you something. But isn't this what we do? Let me, let me bring a little more current example. Who remembers this phenomenon? There, there's this picture. Remember this? Okay. There, if you haven't seen it yet, this was a dress that was on a, a mannequin that just went absolutely viral. And some people thought the dress was white and gold. Others said the dress was black and blue. Let me just ask, who sees black and blue right now? What on earth? Okay, who sees white and gold? Okay, who doesn't see anything? Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, clearly it's white and gold. Anyway, um, but I remember there was an uproar. Even all of you right now are on your phones Googling this right now, Okay. But there was an absolute uproar because Jesus knew this about us. He said that humans are so, they're wired so, so with such complexity that we're just going to put different meanings to things. And as you can see throughout Scripture and as you know throughout your life, one person says this, another says this, and soon, you know, we just don't get along because the dress is clearly white and gold, not black and blue, or whatever it is. <clears throat> Another story. I, years ago, I had a lawn business, and uh, it's Holy Ground Aerations, okay? So I had this lawn business, and Ryan Long, many of you know Ryan Long, we're, we're sitting in the office one day, and he's like, Nathan, I'm having trouble with my lawn. And I was like, okay, well, tell me what you did. He's like, well, I bought a bag of fertilizer. Okay, tell me what you bought. What did the label say? 
He said, yeah, I, I bought the fertilizer. I put it on the lawn. I was like, okay, how did you put it on the lawn, Ryan? And he, uh, he's like, well, I, like, do you have a fertilizer spreader? He's like, no. I said, so what did you use to put this down? He's like, well, we had an empty Folgers can. And so I just filled it with fertilizer. And I was like, and did you, you spread that all the way across the lawn? He's like, no, nah, I kind of walked out. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, huh. I was like, and, and then surely you watered it in. He's like, yeah. I was like, okay, tell me what you did, Ryan. And he, he said, well, I turned on the hose, and I stood on the porch, and I just kind of went like this. And I just went, there it is. See, this is what we do, and this is what Jesus is getting at. He said, there is this thing that, that we do that we're prone to, every single one of us, where it, people were going to hear his words, and they were going to take it and make it their meaning out of it. And so this is why he says what he says next. Verse 10, later that day, when he was alone... The twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. And listen to this. He told them, verse 11, he told them the secret, and other translations say the mystery. The mystery of the kingdom of God has been given to you. Now, why would he say that? I mean, we're, we're four chapters into Mark. What mystery has he given them? And I want you to think back if you've been with us. There is this message that just keeps coming up over and over and over. Do you remember how Jesus started his preaching? Repent and believe. Repent and believe. And over and over as Jesus preached, this message is coming up. Repent and believe. And so he looks at him and he says, look, this wasn't just a story for you to make human meaning out of. This is something that is directly in line with what I've been preaching. Repent and believe. And he says, the king, the, sorry, the mystery of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that, and he's going to quote from the book of Isaiah here, they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Now, I have read this and read this and read this and read this through the years. And the interesting thing about his quote here is we just fly right by it. But if you were to, if you've got a Bible and it's got some verse references in there, I would urge you, turn to those references when you encounter them. And yes, you're going to read your Bible more slowly, but you will read it more richly as well. So you, you go to Isaiah chapter 6. And it is incredible the context that Jesus is quoting out of. This isn't just, hey, yeah, that's a good saying that would fit what I'm teaching right now. You go to Isaiah chapter 6. It's the year that King Uzziah died. And Isaiah saw something. He, he suddenly saw that he was in the temple of the Lord. And there are these seraphim, these are angels, and they're, they're proclaiming glory to God. They're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Over and over, and you get this picture. I mean, the best word I can even come up with is nuclear. It is this nuclear-powered praise, and even that falls short. And Isaiah sees it, and all he can really see of the Lord is, is just the edge of his robe. And what is his response? It's not, wow, more of this. It's woe. Woe is me. He says, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, but my eyes have seen the King, the Lord God Almighty. 
And it's after that confession and after that admission that one of the seraphim, one of the angels, takes a live coal from the altar with tongs, comes over to Isaiah, touches his lips. And listen to what this this angel says to him. Because it sets the tone for what Jesus is saying to the disciples. Isaiah says, with it, he touched my mouth, this coal, and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And your sin is atoned for. See, Isaiah is discovering even in his day, before Jesus ever walked the earth, that the character and the nature of God is he's a saving, atoning God who covers our sin. Isaiah goes on, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here am I. Send me. He said, Go and tell this people, Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Here's our quote. Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes. Hear with their hearts, or hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Oh, okay, I didn't, I didn't realize that the first 80 times I read this passage. That that's what Jesus is quoting from. He's saying, look, this story, these parables, they've got to be seen through the mystery of the kingdom of God. And what is that mystery? That God is an atoning God. He loves that much. He hates sin that much, but he loves us that much. And so as they hear this, as you look at Isaiah chapter 6, isn't that a bit different than how we like to hear the word of God a lot of times? See, a lot of times, I'll admit, I like to wake up with a fresh dose of inspiration, right? Just make me feel good. He says, oh, I can go a lot richer and a lot bigger and a lot broader than just make you feel good. But it's always in the context of repent and believe that it's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, sitting in that crowd, as David talked about last week, would have been some scribes, right? And the scribes, they were so opposed. If you were here last week, you got to hear David talk about it. They were so opposed to Jesus, but Jesus pointed at the cause of that right here. They're always hearing, always seeing, but never understanding. They heard the same word that everybody else did, but they understood it differently. And how did they understand it? The exact way that Brian talked about in communion. We start with ourselves, don't we? And so you can see where this is going, the trajectory of this. This is not a crowd-friendly message. This is not something that just causes people to come running when you look at what he has to say. Because we like to think we do something about it. We do something about our condition. I mean, this would be like planting grass. Some of you are planting grass right now, yes? Make me happy, come on. All right, thank you, we got one over here. All right, so, but this would be like planting grass seed and then digging in the soil after day one and checking it and then covering it back up and watering it, letting it have some sun, and then day two, I'm gonna unearth it and I'm gonna maybe, I'm gonna help the seed, so I'm gonna cut it open a little bit. This is what we do. This is how we hear the word of God a lot of the time, don't we? We think with us in mind. And God says, no, 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 think with me in mind. 
hear it with me in mind. Hear it with my character and my nature and my heart in mind. Because something happens. See, when we cultivate the soil that is our life with self, we miss the mystery of God and his kingdom. We don't deal well with mystery, do we? I mean, I, I want to I resolve mystery. I want to remove mystery. I don't like to remain in the mystery. And neither does anybody in here. You know, we love, we love mystery shows, <clears throat> but I want it to be solved by the end. This was the hardest thing when I had my lawn business, even to get customers to understand. That what, what shows on the surface... This is a lawn tip for you guys, okay? I used to make people pay for this information. In fact, I am invoicing you guys on the way out, okay? So if you want to look at your lawn completely differently, if you've got a lawn, just remember this, that what grows on the surface is a reflection of the condition of what's underneath the soil. The surface is a reflection of the soil underneath. And it was so hard to get people to, to, to understand this because we like to live by sight, don't we? And so what happens is you'll go to Home Depot and you'll pick a bag of fertilizer. Okay, I'm getting nerd level right now, but you need to know this because it's going to drive me nuts if, if the congregation I get to pastor doesn't know this. When you buy a bag of fertilizer, you got three numbers. This won't take long, I promise. Okay, that first number, if it's over 12, just don't buy it. Okay, that's nitrogen. When nitrogen hits the soil, over time, it breaks down into salt. And salt, you know what that does to plants that are trying to grow? It kills them. I know. Isn't this? I know. It's, some of you are so mad right now. I know. I get it. But it's one of those where you have to think about the soil. And so you look for a fertilizer that's got beneficial stuff for the soil. And if you let me go down that rabbit trail, we will be here till 4 p.m. So we're going to move on with the, with the word. But this is what we do. We want to treat the surface. Just give me quick growth. Give me a lush green lawn. Give me a thriving spiritual life. Give me a wonderful relationship with Jesus, and I want it in an hour. And I want it at my convenience. And I want it when I get to access it, when I decide. And it doesn't go well. It just doesn't go well. And so now Jesus, alone with his disciples, the crowd is gone. He gives them the message in light of what he just quoted out of Isaiah chapter 6. Let's walk through it with him. Verse 13, then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. And as he dives into this, this is so interesting to me. He's going he's gonna to list four different types of soil. And three of those, as you'll see in a moment, thinking about what he just said, are completely cultivated by self. Some people are like seed along the path. Where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. I mean, think about the soil on your favorite path to walk in nature. Is it soft? No, it's well-tread. A lot of people have walked across it, right? So you can imagine what would happen if seed fell on that soil. You know, it's hard soil. It would get trampled. There would be nothing to it. The seed wouldn't have a chance. So it brought up a question, and it's a question for all of us, maybe to, if you want to write it down, if you want to think about it, but consider, how much foot traffic is in my life right now? I mean, just think about it. I don't mean like how many appointments you have every week, that could be part of it, 
But how much foot traffic is there? How much say do people have? How much focus and how much attention and how much, how much gravity do you give other people's opinions and their thoughts? Because Jesus would say, look, you can hear the word all day long, but if you walk out these doors and you care more about what social media says or people have to say about you, you know what? That, that seed is going to get taken. You're going to be robbed of what God is trying to do. He goes on. Verse 16, others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word, and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Do you want to know when it's really, really fun to hear the word of God? Sunday morning. That's really nice. It's like the sun's out and the sprinklers came on and it's just, you walk out and hopefully, you, you know, you're inspired or God has like spoken some life into you and, and you can just see what he's doing with his word. Do you want to know when it's not as appealing to get the word of God? Monday morning. Monday morning, right? That's like the clouds stayed, the sun never came out, the sprinklers never came on. And you go, where'd it go? And, and for many in here, the work week is when the persecution comes, right? But see, if we don't engage it, if we don't engage it more than just Sunday morning, it's like throwing rocks in the soil. It makes it hard for the grass, the seed, whatever it is to grow. So another question. When? When honestly? Nobody's going to look at your answer. When honestly am I engaging the word of God outside of Sunday morning? When are we engaging it? You want to know what's so interesting? Here's another lawn tip for you. I'll be brief. One of the best things you can do right now, this time of year, grass, as it's beginning to grow again, its roots are trying to go deeper and deeper and deeper. The more water you give that grass right now, the more shallow those roots stay. And so what you do is you let the roots go down. You continue to let them go down. When you engage his word, Outside of just Sunday morning, you're letting that root go down and go down. So that when summer comes and you're driving through your neighborhood and your, your grass is still green and everybody else is brown, you open your window and you get, to just, you just get a laugh at everybody. I mean, that's just hypothetical. I've never done that in my life, but think about it, all right? Third kind of soil. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. When you mow your lawn, when you mow your lawn, what is the first fastest growing thing the next day? The weeds. Yeah, the thorns. And some of us have some incredible dandelion patches, don't we? Not just at our houses, but it can happen in our lives, can't it? Because we allow thorns. We allow thorns. We allow the desires and the worries of this life that we chase after. Brings up a third question. What's growing right now? What's trying to multiply that maybe needs to be uprooted in my life? What worries do you just keep coming back to and you keep coming back to? And yeah, yeah, I'll get to the word, Lord. I'll get to the word. I'll get, I'll get to prayer. I'll get to whatever it is. But I'm just, I'm just worried about this thing. What's trying to grow? What's trying to multiply that might need to be uprooted? Finally, 
Verse 20. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Now, this would have gotten their attention because you know what a normal crop was around then? It was thought to be about a 15 to 1 ratio. So that minimum number that Jesus gave, 30, is astounding. It's absolutely astounding. And remember, he's saying all this in light of Isaiah chapter 6. He's saying, look, you want to produce a crop? Hear the word of the Lord in light of the saving God and his work, the atoning God and his work. I mean, do you know anybody like that? Do you know anybody like that? It just, it's just you're around them, and it's just like their life produces a crop. And yes, it's, you, you're sure it's rich for them. But what it does in the lives of everybody around them is just incredible. Brings up a question. How do I define salvation? How do we define salvation? Because really he's telling this parable in light of our need for salvation and the the good character of God to provide it. How do we define it? See, a lot of times I think in our American culture, you know what we do? We think it's an altar call. Oh, yeah, salvation. That happened. We talk past, we, we, we speak past, uh, past tense. Yeah, sorry, I'm struggling here. We speak in past tense. And yes, there was a point. There may have been an actual moment, a minute you can point to on a date. But then we, we kind of let go of this thing. This is, no, salvation continues and continues and continues. And every single day, I need that Savior. I need that salvation. Jesus says, look, when, when the seed that is the word of God falls on that soil, it produces a crop, an absolute crop. God's word becomes a harvest in the life cultivated by salvation. God's word will always become a harvest in the life cultivated by salvation. Not by self. Not hearing the word and saying, oh, yeah, I I did that. Check, 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 check. That's what the scribes and the Pharisees did. But when we hear it and we go, oh, only, only by my Savior can I even carry that out, even if you only know one verse, that is enough to produce an absolute crop. And it'll change things. When you begin to cultivate the soil of your life with salvation, the grace of God, the goodness of God, the love of God, the justice of God, the rightness of God, starts changing how you see things. Starts changing how you deal with people, how you handle people. I mean, this last week, did anybody watch the Oscars last Sunday night? Many people, all America has talked about. It was Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. And I've heard all the critics, I've read too much of it this week, And yet, what I loved was Denzel Washington. He took Will Smith aside. You know what he said? Well, there was a quote that Will Smith gave, but they prayed together. They prayed together. You want want to know why? Because I think Denzel saw that 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 was not just a sideways moment. That was pain. See, when the word of God starts working in the heart and we recognize it in the soil of salvation that everybody needs it. At any moment, it doesn't matter if you're two or 102, something happens. You begin to see people's behavior. 
and you begin to see what's underneath it. That's the mystery of God. It goes on underneath the surface. He saw the pain in him. Was it right? No, of course not. Does Will Smith want a mulligan? I'm sure he does. And yet, there was somebody, somebody God placed to come alongside him. And you know what? I bet that becomes a harvest, an absolute crop in the lives of those who saw it. And so, all this said, the word of God does a lot more than we give it credit for. It becomes a harvest in a life cultivated by salvation. And as an ex-lawn guy, I can tell you this. You can put up a fence. You can, you can pull all the rocks out. You can weed the lawn. And guess what? It's all still going to get in. We need a Savior. We need a Savior in the soil that is our lives. And so with all that in mind, like I said, we're taking a break from Mark for a couple weeks We'd love to see you Palm Sunday, Easter Sunday. Even those of you online, if you've been waiting, we would love to have you back in person. But Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20, read it. And uh, we, will, we will work our way through a couple more parts of this chapter over email in the next few weeks. Let me pray for you as the worship team comes back up. Heavenly Father, Lord, many of us have heard this parable over and over and over and over And yet, Lord, let us hear it afresh and anew this morning. Lord, I pray that somehow the seed that is your word, that is your gospel, Lord, let us see it with your salvation in mind. Let us cultivate the soil of our lives, not with ourselves, not with our ability to live it out and and, and be so obedient to it. Sure, that's important. But Lord, without landing in the soil of our salvation, then it risks being just like any of the other three soils, the path, the rocks, the thorns. But Lord, instead, I pray that you would take your word, plant it in every single heart here, and whether that's a giant redwood tree or it's a massive crop that feeds and feeds and feeds those around every single person in here, Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear, but hearts that truly understand where you're at, what you're doing, and that you are always with us doing your saving work. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.